All right, we'll open up to Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. Uh, Josh is passing out a uh, one page. It's not anything I'm going to reference during the sermon. It's just something that was in my Bible that I made some copies of that I thought might be helpful to you all. It's a, it's a timeline for who was ruling over the region of, of Israel, Judah, um, how Rome got to be in control when Jesus was born, uh, that kind of stuff. So you, may, you might find that helpful. All right, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, it was written around 430 B.C., which is really interesting. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to us because that's around the same time that Nehemiah was uh, in Jerusalem, in Judah. And so in the book of Nehemiah uh, that we just started preaching through this morning, uh, there's a section where Nehemiah leaves Jerusalem and goes back to, uh, to Babylon and then, he, and then he's in Babylon for a little bit, then he comes back to Jerusalem. And it's during that time that Nehemiah w- had left and gone back to Babylon, it's probably around the same time that Malachi uh, was prophesying. But it's the same, same general time. Uh, and there's a lot of, lot of similarities, a lot of the same issues that come up in Nehemiah and in Malachi, okay? Uh, I'm not gonna give you the references just for time, but they both talk about the temple being rebuilt, but being misused. Okay? They both talk about corruption in the priesthood, how the priests are, are corrupt. They both talk about uh, how the people are intermarrying with, uh, with pagan nations. Okay? And then they, they both talk about uh, how the people are neglecting their duties toward God, their offerings, and, and then other duties that they have um, toward God. And so if we think about the whole book of Malachi, uh, a big theme uh, would be p- the people's inability to keep the covenant. Okay? And then God's solution to that. So we heard Josh briefly talk about the covenant this morning, about the old covenant uh, in, in Nehemiah. We read that from Deuteronomy 30 just now. Uh, and I would encourage you to, to go sometime this week uh, and open up Deuteronomy uh, chapters 27 and 28. Okay, And start reading about halfway through chapter 27 into chapter 28. And, and what you'll find there is this list of blessings and curses. And, and there's, a, there's a parallel between the two. God says... If you do these things, then you'll be blessed. You'll receive a blessing. If you do these things, or if you, don't, if you do these bad things, or if you don't do these good things, then you'll receive the curses. And, and, there's, and they're, they're almost exactly the same. He says, you'll be blessed when you go out. You'll be blessed when you come in. Your, the, the kneading bowl will be blessed. So food and those kind of things. Your family will be blessed. It's this whole list and then when he gets to the curses, he says, you'll be cursed when you go out. You'll be cursed when you come in. Your needy boy will be cursed. Your family will be cursed. And it's this, this parallel between the blessings and the curses. And this was part of that covenant, that if you, if you keep the covenant, obey, then you'll receive blessings. And if you don't keep the covenant, don't obey, then you'll receive curses. Okay? And so one of the big themes in Malachi, maybe the big theme in the whole book, is um, this idea of the people's inability to keep the covenant and then what is God's solution to that going to be, okay? Um, we could divide the book of Malachi up into seven or eight different sections. Uh, and again, I'm not gonna give you the references for these, but you can have my notes when I'm finished if you want them, uh, but just for the sake of time. Uh, but there, we can think about, about six different kind of uh, conversations or disputes that the people and God have between one another. And so the first one, God says, I've loved you. And the people said, yeah, right, how have you loved us? And God says, I've loved you by forming a covenant with you, right? And then the second one, God says, uh, you, have dis- you have despised me and defiled my temple. And the people say, yeah, right, how have we done that? 
And God says, you've done that by offering sick and blemished sacrifices. And even the priests are involved in this. And then God says that you've been unfaithful. And they say, yeah, right. How have we been unfaithful? And God says, you've been unfaithful by, uh, by divorcing your wives to marry foreign wives. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with marrying former, former wives, foreign wives. Uh, there's nothing about uh, the, the races of the women or nationality, nothing like that. The issue is they've divorced their wives that they pledged to be faithful to, and then they've married foreign wives who worship different gods, and then they begin to worship those gods. And so there's, in the book, Malachi even talks about how they've divorced God and gone after these foreign gods, just like they've divorced their wives and gone after these foreign women, okay? And then, uh, and then the, the people say to God, well, where is justice? You're supposed to be this just God, but we look around us and we see that there's, there's no justice being done in the world. And God says, I'm gonna send a messenger who's gonna provide justice. And then God says, or, and, and then God says, turn back to me. And the people say, why do you think we need to turn back to you? And, and, he, and he goes through how they've turned away from him in, in the temples in disrepair. Uh, he talks about tithing there. Um, and, and then they say that it's, uh, again, they say it's pointless to follow God because they see wicked people succeeding around them. And so why should we follow you if you're not even going to do right and, and justice on, 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 the, on the earth? And so in this one, instead of giving them a speech, God tells them a story about a faithful remnant that are following him and the blessings that they're going to receive and how he's going to provide for them a scroll. Uh, think about this. He's going to provide for them a scroll of remembrance of the character of, of God. And then the last chapter, chapter four, is only six verses long, uh, and there's a, there's a couple things that goes on there. In the first three verses, there's an expansion on the fourth kind of dis, dispute where the people say, uh, where, why, is there just, why is there no justice? And God says, I'm gonna send you a messenger. There's an expansion there, and God says that, that a day of purifying judgment is gonna come. And so it's gonna be judgment against those who have turned away from him, but it's gonna be a day of joy for the remnant that have followed him, okay? And then the end, uh, verses four through six, is, it's almost like an appendix to the book, and it's more a closing of the whole Old Testament than it is just the book of Malachi. I would encourage you to read those, those last uh, three verses there, verses four, five, and six. It's more of a closing of the Old Testament, and he calls on the people to remember the law, to remember the covenant that he made with Moses, and then there's a reference there to how he's going to change their hearts in the future. Okay, and we're going to talk about all of that, hopefully, in the next just few minutes. Okay, so in a sermon on Malachi, we could go through each of those disputes, right, and talk about each one. Uh, and if we have more time, I, I, might, I might even do that. But that's, that's not how, what we're going to do tonight. Tonight, I want us to focus on three characters in the book of Malachi. Okay, three characters in the book of Malachi. First, we have the covenant maker. And then second, we have the covenant breakers. And then third, we have the covenant keepers. I couldn't think of another word that rhymed with maker and breaker. I tried. So I just came up with keeper. Okay, covenant maker, covenant breakers, and then the covenant keeper. So first, we have the covenant maker who is God. God has made a covenant with his people. So we see in chapter one, verse two, we see God say, I have loved you, says the Lord. But the people say, how have you loved us? And he says, was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. And I've made his mountains a desolation and appointed his, inher his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. 
And we could talk a lot about what that, what that specific verse means, especially the Jacob I loved, Esau I hated part. But in some ways, thankfully for me, we don't have time tonight, so we're not going to get into that. But the point is, God says, I've loved you, and to prove my love for you, I've made a covenant with you. I've chosen you, right? I chose Jacob uh, among his brothers, and I chose to bless him and to bless you, his, his descendants. He's made this covenant with, with them. Look to chapter 2, verse 3. It says, behold, I'm going to rebuke your offspring and I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feasts, and you will be taken away with it. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Remember Levi, uh, the Levites, the descendants of Levi are the ones who serve in the temple, right? And some of the Levites are priests, not all of them, but some of the Levites are priests. And so he's making this covenant with the Levites. He's talking about the, about the priesthood here. He says in verse five, my covenant with him was one of life and peace and I gave them to him as an object of reference, of reverence. So he re revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many back from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge and men should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So God's made this covenant with the people in general, showing his love for them through, Jake, through, the, through the covenant he made with Jacob, but he's also made a specific covenant with Levi to provide instruction to the people and to provide them with a messenger, right? This is how the Lord has, has loved them. And then finally in chapter four, another reference to, it, to the covenant comes up. Look at, look at chapter four, verse four. He says, remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. And so we have a covenant maker here. We have God who has not, uh, has not left his people on their own, but he's chosen them from among the nations. And he's even chosen Jacob from among a family. And he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make an arrangement with you so that I might bless you. And I've even given you specific uh, servants that are, that are to lead you toward me and to be a messenger for me. And I've given you specific laws and statutes and ordinances through Moses that you're to follow. And so I've given you a way to have a relationship with me. So we have the covenant maker, but then secondly, we have covenant breakers. And covenant breakers are, uh, are the people. So look at Malachi 1.6. Malachi 1.6, he says... Um, He said, a son honors his father and a servant his master. That if I'm a father, where's my honor? And if I'm a master, where's my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you? O priest who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? They say, yeah, right. What are you talking about? How have we done this? So God's made a, a covenant to them. He said, I've made myself a father to you, and you're supposed to respect your father, honor your father. So why are you not respecting me? Why are you not honoring me? Why are you not revering me? And they've done this in a few ways. In, in verse seven, he says, uh, he says, you are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say the table of the Lord is, not, is, is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? When you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? And, and he goes on, right? And so what he has against them is they're not honoring him in their, in their sacrifices. They're sacrificing sick animals and weak animals and blemished animals. They're not following the covenant. They're not following the ordinances that God gave them 
about how they are to sacrifice. In chapter two, he goes even a little bit further and says, not only are the people doing this, but the very priests that he set up as instruments of, uh, of, of teaching the people, instruments of, of messengers for, for God, even, even the priests are turning away. Uh, we already read that, that part about the covenant with, um, the covenant with Levi in, in verses one through seven. Look at verse eight. Remember he's saying how, how, how Levi, he blessed him and these kind of things. Now verse eight, it says, but as for you, the, the priests that are around now, you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Even the priests who are this special group that are supposed to lead the people to the Lord and help them to worship him appropriately, even those priests have corrupted the covenant and turned away from, uh, from, from worshiping God. And notice he says in verse nine, so I also have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in your instruction. And so he's, uh, so they're turning away from the Lord, they're turning other people away from the Lord, and they're, and they're leading people astray by showing partiality in their, in their, um, in their instructions, okay? In chapter two, verse 10, it says, do we not all have one father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with each other, his brother, so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? So they're also profaning the covenant of their fathers. They're profaning God's name. In verses 11 and 12, he talks about them marrying uh, foreigners and, and, and worshiping their gods. He says, Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign God. As for the man who does this, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob everyone who awakens and answers or who presents an offering to the Lord of hosts. They're trying to worship both foreign gods and the true God. And God says he's not having that. In verse 13, it says, this is another thing that you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, with groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you've dealt treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. And so uh, not only are they offering uh, unfit sacrifices, but also they're offering insincere worship. He says, you come before me and you, and you weep on the altar and your tears fall on the altar, right? But what are you doing? How are you living? You're not keeping the covenant you made with your wives. You're divorcing them for no reason and going after these foreign women. And, and I think that's really happening. And, and we didn't read this part, but in Malachi is, is, is where it says God hates divorce. I think, they really are, uh, I think they really are divorcing their wives and going after foreign women. But I think, I think God's using that, Malachi the prophet is using that also as a, as a symbol of how they're turning away from the covenant with God and going after foreign gods, right? He describes them as the daughters of foreign gods, right? And so not only are they, uh, are they breaking the covenant, the, the, the vows they've made with their wives, but they're breaking the covenant that they are in with, with God. So where does this leave us or leave them? Well, look at chapter three, verses six and seven. Verse six, he says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. 
return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? We see two things here that, are, that, that end up being a big problem. One problem is God doesn't change, right? And, and Josh talked about this this morning with the old covenant. God has made an, a covenant with his people and the word says he doesn't change. The people have, have broken that covenant and turned away from him. They're not living up to that covenant and God doesn't change. The other part, God tells them to return to him and they say, how, how can we return to you? That's a really good question. How can we return to you? In Deuteronomy 30, we've read, if you disobey the covenant, there are curses that come along with you, right? And so when they say, how can we return to you? One way of understanding that question is, how can we remove these curses? How can we get these blessings that Deuteronomy talks about if we haven't lived up to the covenant thus, thus far? And so there's, there's two places I want to look as we, as we close here. Uh, because there's a third character in, in the story of Malachi, in the book of Malachi. There's a covenant maker, God. There's covenant breakers, the people. But there's also a covenant keeper. Okay? And so look at, look at Malachi chapter 3. Look at verse, verse 1. It says, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you send, who you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So there's two people coming. You catch that? There's two people coming. The Lord says he's coming himself, and he also says there's a messenger coming first. Okay, he's going to send a messenger first, and then the Lord's going to come. Verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And, and you can read the rest of that there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. I didn't know what fuller soap it was. I had to look that up. Maybe some of y'all know. But a fuller is a launderer, someone that does laundry, okay, in, in this time period. Like a, a smith is someone who works with, with metal, with iron. A fuller is someone who specializes in, in laundry. And a fuller soap is this special soap they had. It was a secret recipe, this special soap they had that was able to get clothes really clean. And especially able to get wool white. And so here we have two things, that, that two images he's using, the fuller's soap to, to, to get the wool clean and also the refiner's fire to, to melt the gold, to melt the silver so that the impurities rise to the top and they can be scraped away and so you're left with pure gold and pure silver. And so God's saying there's going to be a day when the Lord's going to come and, the, and, and he's going to purify his people. How is it that you're going to be able to return to the Lord? There's going to, day, there's going to be a day coming where I'm going to show up and purify you. And there's a messenger that I'm going to send before that, okay? If we keep reading, there's also a judgment that's going to come on that same day, okay? Uh, now flip to Malachi chapter 4, or just look to the next page in my Bible, uh, and look at, um, look at chapter 4, look at verse 4. No, I'm sorry, look at verses 1 to 3. It says, for behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. Two responses to this same event. The Lord's going to come, and for some, it's going to be judgment, and, and, and no one's going to be able to stand. They're going to be set ablaze, uh, ripped out root and branch. And for others, it's going to be a day of rejoicing, skipping around like calves from the stall. 
okay? Well, how does this happen? Okay, we've talked about the Old Covenant, and, and this morning we talked about the Old Covenant and how there's a difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. However, Malachi says that the Lord doesn't change. So does God just set aside the Old Covenant and establish a New Covenant in its place? Or, or how does that work? Well, I think, I think there's, there's a couple things for us to look at. Turn to the New Testament. Turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read two more passages. Luke chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. It says, Behold, or, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. This is John the Baptist's dad. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. That verse 16 is, is a direct quote from uh, Malachi chapter 3, where he talks about the messenger that's going to come. Luke says that messenger that, that Malachi is talking about is John the Baptist. Okay, And then one other place, Matthew chapter 11, makes it even more clear. Matthew chapter 11, verse 10. This is the one, this is Jesus speaking. He's talking about John the Baptist. And he says, this is the one about whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. That's also a quotation from Malachi. And so Jesus says that when these, these, uh, these prophecies in Malachi chapter 3 and Malachi chapter 4 about the Lord's going to come, before he does a messenger, he's going to send a messenger. Uh, in one passage it says he's going to send Elijah. That doesn't mean that Elijah is going to be reincarnated uh, and show back up on earth, right? What that means is John the Baptist, or there's going to be a prophet who ended up being John the Baptist, who's going to take on the role of Elijah. He's going to take on the, 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 the role, the position that, that Elijah had, continue that ministry that Elijah had. And that was John the Baptist. And it says he's going to prepare the way for the Lord to come, right? Which means in Malachi, when he's talking about the, there's going to be a day when the Lord comes, he's talking about Jesus. Because the one who's preparing the way for the Lord is John the Baptist. And the one that John the Baptist is preparing the, preparing the way for is Jesus, right? Okay, so how does... How can the old covenant turn into the new covenant? In, in one sense, we, you know, we're Baptists, so we're very, very much on salvation by faith alone, right? Faith alone, faith alone, faith alone. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith alone, right? And that's absolutely true. We also are big on the old covenant doesn't save. The old covenant can't save, right? Josh said that this morning. The old covenant can't save. It was never meant to save, right? It's, the Ten Commandments were meant to point us to a coming Savior, to point us to Jesus. That's also exactly right, exactly true. But there's another sense, don't misunderstand me, but there's another sense where we can say absolutely we're saved by works and absolutely the Old Covenant saves. And, and here's how. The Old Covenant says if you do these things, you'll receive blessings. If you don't do these things, or if you do these bad things, you'll receive curses. And through the history of the world, 
No one ever did the right things to, to earn the, the, the blessings. And everyone always did the bad things to earn the curses, right? But then we come to the New Testament and we see Jesus. And we see John the Baptist preparing the way for him. And we see Jesus coming. And what does the New Testament tell us in, in Galatians and some other places? What does the New Te Testament tell us that Jesus did? One of the things it tells us he did is he became a curse for us, right? He took our curses from us. Another thing that Jesus did, the Bible says, is that, that, that when, through salvation, when we repent of our sins and trust in the Lord, we're given his righteousness. We're given his obedience. He's obeyed on our behalf, and he is, uh, he is righteous as our representative, right? And so there is a sense where we're saved by works, and there is a sense where the old covenant can provide blessings. But here's the only way that that works. We're saved by works, but we're not saved by our works. We're saved by Jesus' works. Jesus obeyed fully. This is why the New Testament can say that Jesus didn't abolish the old, the old covenant, but he, he fulfilled the old covenant, right? Because Jesus has earned the blessings. And Jesus did not earn any of the curses. But in the gospel, as we repent of our sins and, and trust in the work that Jesus has done for us, Jesus takes our curses. Jesus becomes a curse for us. And Jesus gives us the blessing that he has earned for us. This is how the new covenant replaces the old covenant because it fulfills the requirements of the old covenant. It's not as though God has said, I know I made a covenant with you, but I'm gonna, that was too hard, y'all can't measure up to that. So I'm gonna set that aside and, and, and come up with a new way. Not at all. Malachi says that God does not change, right? Malachi in, in, invites the people to return to the Lord. And they ask the exact right question. How can they return? And the answer is they can't. They can't get rid of the curses that are on them. They can't live a good enough life to earn the blessings that God has laid out for them in the covenants that he made with their father Jacob and Moses and Levi that he mentions in the book. But God has made a way through Jesus that our curse can be removed and our blessing and, and his blessing can be given to us. His righteousness can be given to us. In, in that one great passage in Corinthians, he says that, that God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for, for your blessings. God, we thank you for how you have blessed us. God, we thank you for the, the promises that you made years and years and years and generations and generations and generations ago to Abraham and to Moses and to Levi and to Jacob and to others, David and others. And God, we thank you that even though we cannot measure up to those standards and we have not measured up to those standards, God, even though we have despised you and we have uh, defiled your altar and all the things that Malachi says about the people in Jerusalem in those days, God, it could also be said of us. And yet, God, you've made a way to bless us. And you've made a way to remove our curses through your son, Jesus. God, I pray that we're all trusting in that tonight. And God, I pray that we're all hoping in that tonight. God, we thank you so much for Jesus, our Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.